Yo, yo, this is Jason Goff from the Full Go Podcast. Me and the crew, we like to entertain you. And we're going to do more of that this football season because the Bears should be more intriguing. There should be more fascination. Justin Fields, is this the make or break year? Is DJ Moore the piece that's going to put them over the top? You can catch us on Sundays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays or when we have an emergency podcast when we have breaking news. Make sure you follow the Full Go on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Fussing with plastic cards should be a thing of the past. Instead, pay the Apple way. Apple Pay is easy, secure, and built into iPhone. All you have to do is set it up. Just add a card in the wallet app, and you're good to go. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC Pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. I need sports to have to clear the room. Stand up and walk now. Hello and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan. I am an editor at theringer.com and joining me in the studio, recently kicked out of a Colorado touring production of Beetlejuice, it's Andy Greenwald! How does it end? (laughs) I'm you, and, you and Lauren Boebert really have a lot in common. We are committed to repertory theater throughout this great nation. Right. Um, <laughs> you I'm, really are, though. You'll I'm be like, searching. I'm going to Les Mis on a, on a Saturday, you know? Yeah. yeah. Being a Broadway dad is real fun. Uh, for those who don't know, I'm referring to the fact that uh, the esteemed representative from Colorado, Lauren Boebert, the was gentle lady from Colorado. asked to leave a uh, Buell, Colorado production I don't know if that's Denver, I'm sorry. Uh, production of Beetlejuice, which I didn't even know was a theatrical There's a musical. show in mm-hmm. the first place. And uh, apparently, allegedly, Lauren was hooting and hollering, mm-hmm. I think vaping, and then was like, do you know who I am? When they were like, you got to get out of here. So fun is illegal now? Yeah, I know. I know. What are you going to do? And then Beetlejuice is a real like, yeah, it's a real crucial third act. Yeah, I mean, that's the t- we, here's the thing about Beetlejuice. If you say it twice... Nothing happens. Matter. Yeah. But at the end, what a great time to be alive. It's I'm, good to see you. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of things are crackling in the stewed today. Well, I can feel it. No, I mean, I think everything is going great. I have a couple of news items for you, uh, but I always like to just kind of open up the floor for, for discourse for you. I also want to say we watch television shows today. Yeah. For the today podcast. on The Watch, we're going to be discussing the, uh, I guess it's AMC Plus. It's AMC Classic, too. Production, The Walking Dead, colon, Daryl Dixon. Mm-hmm. We're also going to be talking about the new Apple show, came out last week, I believe, uh, the new Apple TV Plus show, The Changeling, mm-hmm. with Lakeith Stanfield. We watched that too. And uh, maybe some Res Dogs, if we still have time. Mm-hmm. I would like to kind of maybe bunch the Res Dogs conversation together, but I am here to serve. You want to bring back the bundle? Well, it's funny that you should mention that. Look at us. Uh, Look because, at us. you know, I learned from wise old man once that if you really want to know what's going on in the world mm-hmm. read the business section 
Bill Simmons isn't that old. Uh, and it's like you can see kind of like what people moving money around care about. If you read the business section, isn't that also not all this climate crisis stuff? You know, like you're talking the way people who look at FanDuel a lot talk too, (laughs) right? Like it's not dissimilar. Yeah, but it was just you know I think that you can you can glean a lot from okay the way the way money is moving around Mm -hmm. the world. Uh, So today I was I usually we usually don't talk about the comments the public comments Mm. of Warner Brothers Discovery chief financial officer Gunnar Weidenfels. We usually don't. Well, you and I record our own private off-mic podcast about Gunners. Young Gunners? It's called Young Gunners. <laughs> and it's a deep dive into the all the things that led to him becoming the chief financial officer yeah. for Warner Brothers Discovery. But the while twists and turns the discography along the way. of the Philadelphia rap group Young Guns plays. Yes, so that's why we haven't been able to find a lasting sponsor for it. I would, well, I would describe the reaction of the Stamps.com people as alarmed. Yeah. That's right. They did ask us to leave. That's right. I saw that uh, GF, he was talking at the... Let me get this right here. Is that what his friends call him? No, GW. It's my bad. Widenfels, not GF. Right. But his name is Gunner. Why don't we call him Gunner? Okay. I, I take note that Gunner was speaking today uh-huh. at the uh, Bank of America Securities Media Communications and Entertainment Conference, which I'm surprised you were able to make it to the pod today because I know how you like Thank you. the Bank of America Securities Media Communications and Entertainment Conference. I was invited. In person, yeah. I was invited. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll distill his comments down a little bit, paraphrase, and, and okay. maybe uh, I'm not the best person to do that. Here's a quote from his, his comments. Uh, he was talking a lot about the streaming, like basically like what we the price point for streaming and how these media conglomerates treat their streaming arms and treat the content that go on it. Mm. Here's a quote from, for a decade in streaming, an enormously valuable amount of quality content has been given away well below its fair market value. Mm. And I think that's in the process of being corrected. We've seen price increases across essentially the entire competitive set. So I suppose he's referring to all of the other streaming networks that are raising, raising their price platforms. Did, yeah. We've increased prices, especially internationally. <laughs> Take right. that, rest of the world. Take that, both Indias. <laughs> <laughs> and where a lot of the HBO Max launches were very, very much targeted at the maximum possible subscriber number. Not necessarily the maximum possible economics from the launch. And in this case, when you say the launch, you're not referring to individual shows like Titan Season 4. No, I'm talking talking about about the platform. The platform. And I think what he is saying here is like what we charged for this thing to entice people to sign up, to grow our subscriber uh, base, and thus entice Wall Street to allow us to have debt and and pump up our numbers. Because they're like, look, look at the growth. Look at the growth. Now they're like, what we want is $20 a month. Right. You know, and good luck. He's gone as far as discussing making subscriptions annual rather than monthly, which mm. was one of the, you know, for people like Kaya, sort of content pirates like herself. Mm-hmm. They like to say Stranger Things is on Netflix. The churn. Yeah. You're talking about. I will sign up for Stranger Things or sign up for Netflix. I essentially, sign up for Stranger Things. I'm going a la carte. I know it's going to be there. I'll watch. For a couple of weeks, I'll, I'll get through this new season of Stranger Things and then I'll get rid of Netflix. That's what I do with The Atlantic. I just sit on the <laughs> sidelines and I'm like, oh, And you oh, wait shit. for that Romney to drop. <laughs> I'm like, Jennifer Sr.'s got a new heater. Take my money. I read it. I check out that wild Romney story that I sent around to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like I was the only one who knew about it because, you know, I'm not on Soch. It was covered in, in most major media. One, I, one thing that I love 
is the Philadelphia Eagles. Two things that I love are Philadelphia Eagles and old school traditional Republicans speaking truth to power. Yeah. I love it. Especially the day after they retire. I love it. (laughs) Anyway, yes. So the churn. Gunner wants Uh, to stop the churn. Yeah, so I mean, it's like, he's sort of suggesting that there's a world in which, you know, the price you pay for these streaming platforms goes up. I would probably guess precipitously if they're like, we feel like we've sort of hit the ceiling of the number of people who are going to probably sign up for this thing. But how much can we get out of each person who is signed up for it is another question. And if they decide to go with something closer to a cable model, that is a yearly contract or even just making it absolutely um, right. awful to like untangle yourself as I am, I am a, a testament to that experience. It's just very difficult to like get out of cable contracts or get out of cable relationships. They get very upset. They're just like, sir, sir. What can we do to keep your business? You're uh-huh. a loyal customer. Um, what do you make of all this? I mean, do you think we're going towards a world where we get into 24, 25, and people are paying $29.99 a month for Max and $29.99 a month for, for Netflix to keep it ad-free or whatever it is? It, it, you know, again, I am often invited to the Bank of America money at the Bank of Time. America Securities, Media, Communications, Entertainment Conference. Jumbo Funhouse. Yeah. I, I, I do go to that a lot. <laughs> and um, know what people are talking about. So I'm the right person to ask here. But from my layman's perspective, Uh everybody's really fucking dumb. That's my perspective. Because from this this violent lurching and chasing after the shiny thing has devalued everything across the board and left people in a moment, this exact moment, where you have conditioned more than one generation to expect to have everything everywhere all the time, all at once. Mm -hmm. Um, for relatively little money. And at this exact moment, when people do not have very much money, anecdotally, but also things are tough, Mm -hmm. you are asking them to spend precipitously more. For who? For them. Because they mortgage their entire, not just their content libraries, the future of their business on a shareholder growth play that had no exit ramp, that had no chapter two. Mm-hmm. It had no third act of Beetlejuice. There was no plan other than we will launch this and become popular and prove to everyone that we have something of value and we will lose billions in the process. That was where we got to where we are. And then as you pointed out, interest rates changed. The state of play economically around the world changes. Ask the music industry. It is very, very, very hard to put the toothpaste back in the tube once people expect to get things for free. Yep. And you could then say, some might say, Sir, sir, the music industry has stabilized. People are making money again in the music industry. Well, yes, the rich are getting a lot richer, for sure. But also, in the music industry, you p- people now accept streaming as the dominant way to inter- interact with and music. And I love it. And you are super into it. <laughs> but when we stream music, we are paying one place, whether it's one of the best companies in the world, uh-huh. uh, Spotify, or Apple, or whomever else, we are not paying Capitol Records nineteen ninety nine a month to stream their catalog, and also Warner Brothers fourteen ninety nine or Columbia a month. Records nineteen ninety nine for ten CDs for a penny. You know, God, like, take me back, <laughs> take me back. We are not doing that. Yeah. So weirdly, even though I'm sort of stumbling into this analogy, maybe all this talk that like even. Gunner's boss, David Zaslav, was saying about like, we need to get back to bundles. And you're seeing now, you know, AMC content is on 
uh, is it, it's on Max at the moment, right? Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of Max content, or there is some Max content that is on Netflix now. Yes, and Amazon continues to just like in its own ads for its service say, and also you can get Paramount mm-hmm. here and all these other things. Like this is where we're headed, but this is all just so terribly mismanaged. You know, I, I do think, again, big business guy here. I do think a world in which creative output has monetary value and the companies uh, demand money for the right to engage with this content to help get creators paid in yeah. addition to padding their own bottom line. Yeah. Yeah. But guys, it's it's September 2023. You know, what are we doing? Well, I, I think what I'm fascinated by beyond the business question is somewhat of a brand identity question for the platforms themselves, mm-hmm. which various platforms went further or not far to brand themselves or like to mint themselves as the home of this, the home of that, where right. you can come to find this all in one, one monthly fee as much as you want. And the extent to which, so a lot of what Gunnar Weinfeld's talked about at this thing was what can we extract value-wise from the stuff that we're making? Yeah, which is his job. Mm-hmm. So let's say, could we enter a world where there's Max and you pay for Max a month? Or if you are just a Game of Thrones fan, you pay the Game of Thrones subscription. Oh, so that, so th- there's also Min in addition to Max, where you just get a little bit of it. Well, there's, or, or, drag, or Dragon. <laughs> Dra- dragon, yeah. Like there's something where you're like, I want all the Game of Thrones content. I don't mm-hmm. really care about it. And just like that, I don't need the, the in, discovery in, stuff. Instead of creating a straw man, just say me. I'm that person. Yeah. All I want. Yeah. Is as many houses of dragon as possible. Right. Mm -hmm. So I wonder whether or not there's also a world in which they basically guard against people who would have signed up for Max just for House of Dragon Season 2 by saying, get the dragon pass. I mean, look, we live in a world, like, whenever I hear about people taking their kids to Disney now, they're like, they they get you every which way they can. Like, there's always another tier that you can pay to get faster quicker access, Mm -hmm. to cut more lines, to get earlier entrance, to get later exits, whatever it is, better parking, easier access to select food, time with Goofy. You know what I mean? And like, I don't understand why they wouldn't basically apply that to their most high value like properties. The last time I went to Disney, I paid, I'm almost embarrassed to say how much money I paid to have the FX executive team, John Landgraf, (laughs) Nick Redd, and Gina Balian, meet me on the Mad Hatter. And just talk to me about where they saw this, the whole thing going. The Mad Hatter going? Well, that was going in circles. <laughs> and frankly, so is the business. Uh, do you, speaking of the business. It, it's, Chris, I hate to say it, but these companies are at it again. I just, I truly, I don't know what the plan is here. I think I'm just very because, in tune with what we pay for what yes. right now because of coming out of not having ESPN for all of nine days. You know? <laughs> you, and, and you didn't handle it well. <laughs> you didn't, it didn't go great. I spent one podcast talking about it, and I guess I'm starting another. But I'm just, you know, I did, this is, I think to see the, these things happen while there is also the strike going on and the way that these two things are related. For instance, you and I did this fall TV preview a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago. We have another show from our fall TV preview going to 2024. That's Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Uh, from, I was always skeptical that was coming out this year, but yes. Sure. But now they're like, it's early 24. Uh, that has been delayed quite a bit because Phoebe Waller-Ridge was initially going to co-star mm-hmm. with Donald Glover and now it's Maya Erskine and I think they've probably done as these the Amazon way, a couple of different reshoots on there. But like, you know, I, I, I think that as we watch 
2023 kind of collapse instead of end. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to talk about like where we could be next this time. Most next years year. do that these days. I find that's not <laughs> so unique. I, I I just think when I when I, I mean I'm joking when I'm like the companies are at it again. But I I think one thing that is fundamentally just broken across a lot of industries is what do we want from these places and what are they giving us and what are we paying for and for your your Max example, I, I have no brand loyalty to the streaming service Max. Right. I I don't know. What I don't really know who Chip and Joanna Gaines are. I, I maybe I I, I, I figured you did. Yeah. I don't know, and I'm okay with that because I've reached the point in my life where you know. Why are you acting like you don't know who Chip Gaines is? I don't really know. I know he was interested in Larry McMurtry's he library. Bought it. So now I know who he is, but yeah. I've never watched one of his shows. Is he like a property father? Do you know what I mean? Like he's is a that guy what he does? who wears usually like a solid color T-shirt. And bootcut jeans. Literally describing the man sitting across no, from me right I, now. No, I'm not but, wearing bootcut jeans. Oh, well, and, there's a table. All right. <laughs> um, give me some respect. <laughs> you look great. Too. I already complimented and, you on your shirt. Although I think bootcut jeans do seem to... Are they coming back? I don't know. Kaya? <laughs> Kaya are. says yes. Yeah, they are. I got your ear. <laughs> anyway, he's married, I jo- believe, Joanna. to Joanna. Right, because a lot of the property couples, like they have splits and stuff like that, but they'll continue to make stuff together. Like there's like a whole real estate person. Well, no, from, one of the property brothers married. So a lot of the Chanel. property couples. I'm saying like when you're like, oh, oh and they're like, we flipped this. But the brothers can't split. No, they can't. They're, I mean, they're also like identical, aren't they? No, I can tell them apart. No, I can't. <laughs> Just fucking with you. My point is, I don't, that giant circus tent of content on a personal engagement level, means nothing to me. I want to watch television shows that I like, and I want to be able to find, like, Turner Classic movie stuff sometimes. Mm-hmm. That's the extent of it. Yeah. But I think that this this turn towards amorphous, like, brand building and relationships, and we need to have as much as possible to, in order to show that we're doing this for whom, is so out of step with any kind of consumer thing. I mean, it, this won't mean anything to you because I feel like we are on opposite sides of this divide. But there's an... Mitt Romney? <laughs> you know what? Chris, the loyal opposition used to mean something. Sure. Um, you, you don't really fly Delta that much, right? I don't have the opportunity to fly Delta very much. they don't much. fly to Philadelphia. Right. Um, no free ads, but this is going to be the opposite of an ad. But like I, I have uh, points and an affiliate. Like I fly, that's the airline I fly. Uh-huh. And then today they announced all the things that you've been doing we're changing it so they don't have any value anymore. What do you mean? They just undid their whole, this is the most bougie, this doesn't matter. But my only point of this saying is- This is pretty interesting is, to me. What happened? They're basically like, we will, starting in 2024, uh-huh. the, the miles you fly will no longer count towards any kind of status or frequent flyer, whatever. The only thing that has value is the money you spend with us. Oh, so like buying, using their credit card or buying stuff on airplanes? No, booking hotels and rental cars in addition to flights through Delta, because they want to be your destination app, uh-huh. basically. And I'm like, you motherfuckers fly the planes. <laughs> That's it. You know what I mean? Like, I can find a hotel on my own. Yeah. You don't need to be all these things for so me. So the no, only way you. to get status on Delta now is to book a Marriott through Delta? To accrue, yes. Or to, like, be allowed into the lounges or all these things. Whatever. These are the least interesting and least important concerns. Tiniest violin. Mm -hmm. My only point is, 
they t- they they took what was like you've spent. People were loyal to them life's because work. I'm like, yeah. you fly airplanes in the places I want to go, and if I fly on those airplanes to those places I want to go, I am rewarded for it. Sometimes I get a complimentary Sky Heineken or whatever. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? A Sky we call it. That's a free ad. Please send me some. <laughs> but now they're like, everything that that made you loyal to us. No, we don't want to be that for you anymore. We are going to be this other thing. Uh-huh. Because some bright boys back at HQ are like, this is the better pathway towards making money and making everything. Also, the thing about value you were saying too, which is just like, we actually think that we've been letting too many of you dummies into the lounge or too many right. of you getting these upgrades. We don't want to do that anymore. Right. Now you're just going to pay more for less. So you think I'm on the opposite side of this argument? No, I think you are, as always, a man of the people who flies to Europe constantly. I think instead that (laughs) you with your friends at Bain Capital. England's not in Europe. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Oh, oh, and also I'm pro Mitt Romney in this. We're getting a little twisted up. Um, No, I I meant you are not, uh, you are A, not empathetic to my plight because no one should be. This is not a plight. But Uh B, uh, that's not the airline you fly. That was the only thing. It's not just because of where I tend to fly within the domestic United States. It's kind of like, I know people who listen to this podcast, if we ever have different opinions about the show, some people are like, oh, there was real friction today. (laughs) They should know that the only time there's ever been real friction today is when it was discovered that we had different hotel loyalty plans (laughs) that are hotels of choice. And then for like two days started... (laughs) Text fo- texting photos of like <laughs> Bonvoy gang. <laughs> That's guys turn forty. Everything gets great. Uh, I anyway. Want... All these, what are these companies doing? That was my uh, put a button on it. That was my point. Okay. Do you want to talk about the showrunner drama? I think that honestly, like people who are outside of like the very small, like right. I read the Ankler and Melanie bubble, would probably not even know that this happened. It, it in some ways was a much ado about nothing. I think. But would you like to just do a quick explainer on like what happened this week to the extent that you were able given your Well, I think things are your position as a showrunner yourself. Sure. I think sentiments are running high. I think nerves are frayed, primarily due to the drastic devaluation of Sky Miles in fiscal twenty-four. <laughs> all you fucking guys. <laughs> on all of us. All you guys just standing outside of an Einstein's bagel <laughs> crying. Being like, I used to be in the lounge. I used to be a platinum medallion in this country. Um, right. So it was a confusing week here in Strikeville. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm I'm using a, a joking tone, but like, it's getting really real. It's been really real for a lot of people for a long time. But many, many, many people are out of work. Many people are hurting. Untold numbers of people are leaving the business. It's bleak and it's upsetting. And in a vacuum of information because uh, there has been no official channel communication. I think there's constant back-channeling, but between the Writers Guild Negotiating Committee and the um, AMPTP since um, last month. Yeah, um, mid-August, right? Yes, and I think there's been a, a lot of confusion about what's going on. I can give you my opinion about that, but anyway, what, what happened this week is that there was... Um, News broke that there was some sort of cabal of some powerful showrunners who were demanding answers from the guild and saber rattling and upset about the slow pace of negotiations. News broke via Sharon Waxman in the Wrap mm-hmm. on Monday, saying that Kenya Barris and Blackish and Gronish and Noah Hawley, my old boss uh, on Legion and Fargo, uh, and a few others, Dan Fogelman, I think was named. I think the Duffer brothers were potentially part of it. It was unclear whether they were 
presenting themselves as almost like a coup against the negotiating committee or their displeasure was just being made public. What I understand from behind the scenes, it's unclear. I guess mm-hmm. I, I'm not in a position to comment because I don't really know the answer. Sure. I know that they're, they canceled their meeting when it became clear that it was being construed by the press as um, a criticism or oppositional some, to the negotiating some, committee. Somehow division within the ranks, yeah. Um, I'll say that I, I'm on a WhatsApp with many hundreds of showrunners, and uh, people were pretty shocked about this. There's mm-hmm. been pretty much solidarity and uniformity and debate, but not taken to this level. And in my experience and understanding, the negotiating committee in the Guild is like very, very avail to talk to. Um, there was a big showrunner solidarity picket at Fox this week that I was happy to be a part of, and the negotiating committee was just there. Like, you could talk to them and say these things. Anyway, th- there's accusations being thrown around about whether these showrunners were being like organized, shadow organized yeah, by CAA. Yeah, whether it was like, hey, we're just asking if you guys need any help. Yeah. That's- versus we... We are putting like pressure on you to get a deal. Done. I believe that's what Evgeny Prigozhin said. <laughs> that's that's why he was marching to Moscow. That's why he's just like I just want to help. <laughs> I have a militia would love to help and talk. <laughs> so whether this was being yeah shadow backed by the AMPTP or the CAA or CAA, I think I think the main takeaway is division is going to be used. Yeah, and uh, who knows? Who knows? I think that the 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 disturbing thing, the disturbing thing for me at the moment is just that. You remember a couple of weeks ago or months ago now when there was that article with anonymous sources being like, the strategy is to force people to lose their homes yes. and then we'll talk. I do. Because they should feel a little something here. That And that was also, to not to be fair, but just I'll say that was also subsequently like, I think the studios themselves were like, we don't, like, that's not our position kind of. No, that's not, that's true. That, yeah. that was, that was, um, nobody to credit for that. Yeah, I, I don't, I think that that was, but, but go ahead, yeah. I, I agree, but but, but I, the reason I bring Although that up is not to say- at this point, hard to say that well, that is not what's happening. It is starting to happen, but my point isn't that that was the strategy. My borderline depression this week comes from the fact that if that was their strategy, it is cruel and it is heartless, but it is a strategy. And my read on the situation now is that the AMPTP members have no strategy, have no ability to communicate with each other or agree on shared goals by moving this forward. And that's terrifying in the short term because it means this drags on and on and on. Because the last communication that I am aware of was the WGA countered the proposal that was leaked in mid-August. And then a week or so ago, the CEOs were meeting to discuss their response. And there has been nothing more from yeah. that. And what that suggests to me is they can't get their story straight and they can't even agree. I think they all agree this has to end and they cannot agree on a way out, which is worrisome in the short term, but it's really, really existentially terrifying in the long term because these are the people that we're in business with, not mm-hmm. just as a writer, but you know, in the sense that we're all part of this great big happy family of the America's soft power yeah. export <laughs> yeah. uh, Hollywood. Like there's really no plan. Um, that's, that's worrisome to me. And I think that in this vacuum, uh, a lot of it, it's, it's getting edgy. Mm-hmm. It's getting rough. Fussing with plastic cards should be a thing of the past. Instead, pay the Apple way. Apple pay is easy, secure, and built into iPhone. All you have to do is set it up. Just add a card in the wallet app and you're good to go. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. 
If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and one. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. Well, we still have shows. Mm-hmm. We can talk about them. I, I, first of all, I, I just want to say, shout out to you. Great, great podcaster. <laughs> Feels great to like. I really just wanted to know what you thought about that. I didn't. I didn't want to be. I'm not trying to like no sell like your your showrunner recap. But I, I think that was that's fascinating. Oh, but like, I don't have. Oh like no, I a, think you're a great podcaster because no, that was I was turning the page. Okay, I was like, I think you're. I think you're great. <laughs> I'm sorry what I said about your pants before. That wasn't fair. I haven't even looked at your pants because the shirt's so good. What I wanted to say was just old school entertainment podcasting felt great. We went, we watched some shows. Yeah, yeah. We both did our homework and now we're going to talk about them. I, I enjoy that. I Did you want to talk about the lessons in chemistry trailer at the top of the podcast? Oh. The section of the pod or, or later in the pod? Um, I, I, the vibes are good right now. Do you think this is going to spoil <laughs> Let's them? Let's save it for the end. Okay. Okay. All right. I enjoyed talking about the bike riders trailer at the end of the last pod anyway. <laughs> Okay. I think All it's right. a it's a fun place to put that conversation. Andy, two new shows, uh, and then walk and then Reservation Dogs, obviously, which is concluding its run. Uh, I think it has two more episodes after the one that just aired this week. For a guy who doesn't want to talk about reservation dogs, you keep talking about it. I'm just mentioning I do want to talk about reservation dogs. No, you want to talk about it next week or the week after. No, I watched it. I'm ready to talk about it. Okay. I just think that sometimes mm-hmm. having more than one reservation dogs to discuss is useful. On today's episode of The Watch, Andy and Chris talk about whether they should talk about <laughs> reservation procedure. dogs. Yeah. I want to talk about this Walking Dead show first. So do I. You and I, everybody who knows anything about us knows we're WD day ones. Unfortunately, that's true. It is true in the sense yeah. that we were podcasting when Walking Dead first came on. I think podcasted, did you recap? Brother, I had to recap at least two to three years. So through that Omaha episode, at least, where you were like, the future of television is here, right? Oh, I was way past that. I, I was, yeah. I, do you know how, spoiler alert, do you know how this show opens with Daryl Dixon tied to a boat? This that, new one, the Daryl yeah, Dixon show, yeah. That and we're going to spoil the first that, episode of Daryl Dixon. That was forward. me with The Walking Dead for a number of years. I, I think... I think if you read the later recaps, it was increasingly untenable. And then the show went on for 11 more years. Yes, it did. Yeah. Uh, Well, 11 years total. Yeah. So I think that I watched the first few seasons of Walking Dead. Mm -hmm. I think I... I, Solidarity with me. And solidarity with Bernthal, essentially. I think I was there for the Shane run. I don't know how long Shane was on the show. Two, three years. I think I got... When was it? Noah Emmerich was like the doctor that they find, or no, like that was episode five. That was oh. back in Darabont. <laughs> that was like, the fifth episode. That was like the first because the show premiered with like a mini run, of yeah. like five. Oh, so uh, they get to like the the CDC in the beginning. That was the beginning, and then they never, as far as I remember, they never really talked about 
why it happened again. Like they just stopped trying to cure it and was more about Chris. Grantland.com. Okay. The Walking Dead keeps shuffling toward greatness, but never quite gets there. By your boy. Dateline. <laughs> October 12th, 2015. Wow. That's not that long In ago. its sixth season, there are things The Walking Dead can do that no other series can dream of. But that, that was like, was that an essay or was that a recap? <laughs> was, an essay? Was that a fucking like sonnet? Sl- slouching towards Bethlehem. <laughs> That's actually a good uh, Walking Dead that episode exactly title name. What the Walking Dead is. Um, I don't know why I'm beating around the bush. I'm not. I'm not wasting time. I'm going to tell you some things about uh, Walking Dead, Daryl Dixon. So obviously, Walking Dead goes on for eleven seasons. This is the fourth to last thing I ever did for Grantland. My God, <laughs> what was the last thing? Aya Cash was on the podcast. The podcast? Sorry, I, I had a podcast. <laughs> it was just my name. I don't know if you remember that, but Aya was on it, October twenty eighth. What was the last episode of the Hollywood Prospectus that we did? Well, I believe, you know, shots, but you, I believe you had left left the uh, property at that point? No. In 2015? Uh, the, I mean, the, I think the, it all happened then, but like, wait, did, when was the last episode of the Hollywood Prospectus? I mean, I, I could find out. Uh, I went to Croatia. <laughs> I came back. <laughs> Next thing you knew, <laughs> Chris Connolly's sitting there. What ha- <sighs> What happened? I know. What I'm I know. I mean, what was the last episode? All right, I'm stalling because I don't know. I I panned the show Wicked City uh-huh. in a whole column. Uh, capes and crossovers. Seth Meyers came on the pod because at that point there was just the pod. It wasn't a pod. I wrote about Bourdain. Wrote about the Nick. Andre Holland. By the way, I was on a heater uh-huh. at the end of 2015. <laughs> Okay, here's the last one. so much TV back then. I know. So can anyone cut me some slack? It was eight years ago. Uh, here we go. The Are you last... enjoying this, Kaya? <laughs> She's cutting all this. She stopped recording 10 minutes ago. The last Hollywood Prospectus was October 6th, 2015. That's my wife's birthday. That was why you left, I think. You were like, I have to. It's like Hollywood Prospectus podcast. The Homeland and Leftovers premiere. Phoebe's birthday. Gotta go. That's what it says in... <laughs> Gotta take my wife to Croatia. <laughs> And also leave ESPN. Yeah. Man. Was- Good job. Nice job by Thanks. you. And you've always been a Walking Dead uh, ologist. So you'll be able to right. help me okay. chart the subsequent 10 seasons of Walking Dead Definitely. that happened after you started out. Definitely. Uh, no. So Walking Dead obviously has become a franchise. It is essentially propping up AMC Networks. It's a huge money maker in terms of like it has like a whole conventions arm during Halloween Horror Nights. Yeah. season i'm sure they do walking dead activations at some theme park where you can go get attacked by zombies that would be your your bailiwick well i'll tell you a little bit about these walking dead zombies and especially the french ones mm-hmm. that are in daryl dixon mm-hmm. not scary i know um but I'm we gl- get, i'm kind of glad we're gonna about talk that. about this in a second uh because that's never actually been the whole thing with the walking dead you ready well, you ready to drop this gem say it this, say, say what's really scary the real evil yes is man itself what <laughs> That is, hold on, Kaya, put in the head-exploding music. That is radical. So I, I would say I probably kept up with Walking Dead lightly through recaps. Like, I would be like, oh, did Negan die? And did he come back? Nope, and yes. Yeah, Maggie, she, where's, what's up with Maggie? Still what's up going. with Rick? That we've got Fear of the Walking Dead. There's uh, Walking Dead, is it called Dead City? That's the Negan-Maggie spinoff where they're in New York and it's supposed to be like Escape from New York, right? Just nodding at this point. And then there was like young, like basically like teenage Walking Dead. There's Muppet Babies Walking Dead. And there's some animated stuff, I think. 
But but is, there's also walking, an anthology series. I'm not sure which one that is. And there's also Talking Dead. Oh yeah, I know. And then so we get to basically Daryl's like Daryl's the guy. Daryl Daryl is of it's like Rick Daryl Michonne yeah. like what whoever the when, big characters are that need their spinoffs like. And also when Andrew Lincoln left the show. Yes. Uh, after season eight or nine, I don't remember. Uh, it was immediately announced that he would be like in Walking Dead movies. Three movies. Yes. Um, still waiting on those. Yeah. But uh, but Norman Reedus, who plays Daryl, assumed the first position on the call sheet and was yes. the star of the franchise until they ended the Mothership show after season eleven. And when Daryl Dixon was first announced, it was supposed to be a Daryl and Carol show. But Melissa McBride decided she did not want to move to Europe to shoot this show, which is where this show is set. By the way, World Beyond was the limited series anthology series. We've done great work mm-hmm. covering The Walking Dead on this podcast. We've done today. great work, and, and also looking within, and also googling my name and The Walking Dead <laughs> live on air. Uh, look, this is all prelude. I which said is to, to say, Kaya yeah. that I needed an extra half hour to get the the rundown really tight today. <laughs> is that what you told Kaya? Yeah. I was like, I needed an extra 30 to like just write down a bunch of stuff. And that's where we wound up Googling you. <laughs> this is the show I've always wanted to make. So thanks, everybody. This is too much, too much throat clearing to say that Walking Dead was never really for me. Yeah. I thought it had some high highs and then just a lot of mediocre, not necessarily lows. Didn't have much interest in any of it as it continued. That's fine. I thought this Daryl Dixon show was pretty, pretty good. Yep. I thought it was pretty good. Honestly, I, pretty I'm dope. not mad at it. And I want to start by saying, I don't know if the show will live up to what I'm going to say. And I don't know if that matters. But <laughs> there are certain times in our like franchised universe where the decision between making like a brave choice and a safe choice doesn't feel like D-Day. Mm-hmm. It's not like, Either we do Ironically, this. Ironically, because this show starts with him watching up in South France. Yeah. <laughs> great, great call. They're just simpler ones, honestly. And the decision to take a character that has been running around the swamps of Georgia for 11 years and just put him in France? Yeah. And shoot the show in France and cast all the other parts with interesting French actors and performers and give us a different place and a different tone and a vibe is enormous. Yes. It's enormous. Now, I realize in a world like it's it's not this show is not Andor, but it is more Andor than it is Ahsoka. No offense to Ahsoka. Truly, in this case, I don't mean it. Yeah. In the sense that, okay, we're just going to try it over here. We're just going to try it. And it's still going to have the zombies and it's still going to this is not prestige, prestige, like brainy television. It's still The Walking Dead. So let's do. But I, I, I was super into this decision and it made me engaged in the show. A traveling samurai wandering the French countryside with a vague mission of getting home, getting waylaid by the better angels of his nature to take care of a messianic young child. Good idea for a show. So it's like, it worked when it was Kung Fu, it's working now. It's worked when it was The Last of Us. (laughs) It worked when it was Shane, it's good. It's a good, durable Mm -hmm. idea. And one of the things I really liked, you know, the Vulture recapper for, and it was, I can't remember the name, is it really pointed this out, is that this show, like, operates with a lot of silence, mm-hmm. you know? And, you know, it's not exactly Kurosawa, but it isn't, it's, it's pretty good when it comes to, like, just being like, I want to watch this guy walk around the French countryside. I don't need a lot of banter. I don't need to fill in a lot of, like, 
franchise world building blanks here. Mm-hmm. Daryl is not a very uh, verbose character. He doesn't like. He's not very demonstrative. He's pretty cool. He winds up getting a cool outfit, even though he's been in the Atlantic Ocean for a while, and he winds up wearing like a cool, like quasi fisherman motorcycle outfit. Well, it's also this thing where it's just like the one thing that unites the people who have survived ten years into the zombie apocalypse is fingerless gloves. Yes, even the nuns got them. Well, so that that's the thing is that like they just got a really tight pitch for the show, which is. Daryl and warrior nuns protect messianic child in post-apocalyptic landscape France. And to be clear, I don't know whether it's something that's in the atmosphere or around the old WGA water coolers, but like we had fighting nuns earlier this year at Mrs. Davis. Mm -hmm. This is Last of Us. It Mm -hmm. just is. At your point that they're, you know, lone wolf and cub and there are many examples in media of this trope of like protecting the magical kid. Even Obi-Wan did that, much to my horror, recently. But that's fine. It, it doesn't bother. It feel, it, all of those things feel familiar. And if you were really agitated about it, you could say like, oh, well, Last of Us does this differently or does it better. But The Walking Dead has never done this. Yeah. And honestly, the French part makes it a whole lot better. Because <laughs> so they went I, and they did it. It feels, I don't know, this also might just be like that I'm CGI'd out or volumed out. But it was pretty that they were in a place. So... You are notorious. Yeah, I am. For holding foreign actors' feet to the fire mm. with their mastery of English. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've got a couple of French actors in this piece. What did you think of that when they switched to English? Well, uh, Clemence Poesie is an actress that I like a lot. Mm-hmm. And I've have have often I've just I'm a fan of her. Yeah. And what's um, your favorite Clemence Poesie movie? Well, in my household, it's the Harry Potter movie that she's in. Yeah. So that's the big one. She's in In Bruges. Yes, thank you. And she's in the tunnel. I don't know if you ever saw that with Stephen Delaney. The 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 series, the tunnel, which, uh, which was the British version of the bridge. It, is it yes. where they find the body in the tunnel? It's the it's the bridge. Yeah, which has been made in like nineteen countries. Yeah, the same first. Uh, how many basis. how many different versions of it have you watched? I got to catch them all. <laughs> That's I, I am the world's leading expert on murders that happen at the midpoint of international boundaries. Yeah. That's just kind of, everybody's got their thing, yeah. you know? And for you, it's the Pokemon. <laughs> Some people have baseball cards, and this is it. Uh, this is it for me. Are you still Googling yourself? Yes. I wrote, <laughs> what Clemens poesy movies have I liked Andy Greenwald? Genius Picasso. <laughs> Not just... <laughs> Just riffing. Anyway, wh- you're asking me what I thought of people's English? Like, I-, I kind of like the fact that he just showed up in France, speaks no French, but meets six people I mean, 10 honestly, years after the apocalypse who same. speak English. Yeah. <laughs> so I just did that. That was yeah. you. Yeah. This is a great setup for a show. You mentioned Ahsoka. This is a interesting contrast to a show like Ahsoka where essentially I find that not knowing the legacy of the characters and the backstory of the characters as illustrated literally in the animated series that they have been originated in yes. makes it difficult to understand the significance of any given moment in Ahsoka yeah. for me. Uh, and uh, I kind of felt like this was the complete opposite in Daryl where it's just like, I get it. It's a guy. Yeah, like Judith pops up in a dream or whatever and like there are mentions of like who? The Rick's daughter, Judith. Yep, I was just testing you. You passed. <laughs> you had me worried for a second there. But until the very end of this episode, there essentially is no outside world beyond the one that Daryl is 
like surveying yeah, right in let, front of him. Let me tell you my favorite, favorite thing about the show other than just broadly France. Mm-hmm. I have no idea how he got there and I don't care. I don't care. We understand that he is from America and this is a time when due to the really cruel devaluation of Sky Miles, flight between continents is no longer possible, at least at the price point or in the part of the cabin that people like Daryl and myself are accustomed to. So we get it. We just fully get it. Yeah. It's fine. I love that they don't tell us any more than that. You think Daryl's a lay flat guy? <laughs> yeah, he lays flat on the hull of a boat. You don't see him. Yeah, yeah of course he is. He's had to survive this long somehow. But I think there's a lesson in that. I think there's a lesson in not worrying too much about the past because it's fine. We understand. But also there is, or at least there appears to be, and I don't, I'll confess, I don't know if uh, Judith and her other friends really like, <laughs> really cracked the code on this the last five years of Walking Dead Prime. Uh-huh. But what struck me about the show was in it, at least a passing interest in what comes next. Yeah. Can we cure this? What is the what are the origins of this? Is there research? Is there something? Because again, as far as I remember, and they may have changed. This may have developed differently in the last few years. After Noah Emmerich, sorry, blue, spoilers. Statute of limitations is up. That blew For himself Dead, up yes, yeah. in the CDC. They stopped talking about it, and that was at the time that felt pretty radical. Which is this is not a show about a cure. This is a show about dealing with it. Right. Um, but this injection of religion and hope and prophecy and stuff. Yeah, like the idea that like after a while like basically the old ways would come back. Now, I would never really was clear. So Walking Dead started in 2011, 10 or, 10 or 11, yes. So presumably at that point the internet goes down. Like if if it's two is it supposed mm. to be 2010 in The Walking Dead? Well, oh, oh, does it end it premiered on Halloween 2010. Mhm. And I, what I think is confusing about the internet date is that at that time in the show's chronology, Charter was in a very big dispute <laughs> with some of the major um, legacy studios. So, so it was already down. Yeah. But the reason why I bring it up is because the first people that Daryl comes across, other than seeing Columbus Poesy in the distance there, is... And he's uh, like, what, what TV show did I like her in? <laughs> Which version of the bridge are you on, girl? <laughs> Yeah, is he comes across a classic pairing, old blind guy and spiky younger woman. Mm -hmm. You always see that happening, especially in Los Angeles. Yes. And thank um, you, Raya. They they pull it like a fast one on Daryl, where at first it seems like they're friends, but it turns out that they're foes. But the way that the young woman introduces herself to Daryl when she finds out he's American is she goes, what's cracking noob? And I was like, would either of those phrases have made it to France without the internet? Oh, well, they had the internet. But not when she was, like, she's got to be like 18, 20. So if The Walking Dead has been going on for like 11 years of pandemic, right? Right. Then the internet would have ended in 2010. Was noob a thing in 2010? Do you think she like archived some stuff before it all went down? right. (laughs) So she has like, here's what I think. She probably has a hard drive full of vines. Like the best vines. Right. You know, and so she has learned English only through like the damn Daniel, you know, vine. Was damn Daniel 2010? Was that later? (laughs) Wow. You want, let me Google Andy Greenwald, damn Daniel going viral. I'm just saying the vine era. Yeah, I got it. I got it. It was just a a note. In French, it would be vin. 
I think, you know? So yes. maybe that would help you understand it. So uh, I thought that this show was really cool. The very end of this episode, and we're still doing spoilers here, uh, you basically get a side door like expansion of the Walking Dead universe where we find out that Daryl was on this boat. Mm -hmm. This boat was conducting, had a doctor on it that was conducting experiments, I think, on walkers, right? Mm -hmm. And that, walkers seem to have changed. Some of them have burny skin now or blood. Uh, yeah, and that there That's seems cool. to be this um, militaristic faction running this experiment mm -hmm. and also seems to have quite a bit of power in France. And this woman, Janae, who... Uh, Marine Le Pen. Right. She is mm -hmm. basically like, we got to go get this American guy. All this tracks with my understanding of France, by the way. Yeah, but it becomes like a different, a little bit of a different vibe at the I, end, right? It does, but also... Then the this season on terrible name by the way Daryl Dixon, but that is his name. I mean, you're also like what you're never in the dark about what you're watching. I respect that. Yeah. yeah on the this season, look, trailers are trailers, but it looks super dope. They're going to go to Paris. I'm interested in that. Yeah. I'm so much more interested in that than I am in the swamps outside of Savannah at this point. Like yes. that's great. Yes. I also think, and this might be, this might be us running out of content talking. No, it's not. This might be... We're only getting started, really, when you think about it. <laughs> I do. And I think about it a lot. Um, in a way, this is, relates to the, the next show we're going to talk about. But I, I feel weirdly better about this show than I do about some more ambitious, um, more pitched-up, prestige-type shows. I think that at this point, everyone involved in the Walking Dead franchise know what they're doing. They're always, and this is something that I wrote apparently a thousand times back when I was writing stuff. Like, because you have X number of knives going into X number of skulls, you can then play a little bit around the margins because yeah. you you you've delivered on your uh, on your campaign promises basically. So, the fact that this show just feels very comfortable with what it's doing, but is willing to be like, let's just see what'll happen here. I think it's David Zabel is the guy who who created and he's this. He's a veteran of ER. And just yeah, and of yeah. TV shows that know how to do stuff over a long period of time. Right. That makes me feel good about it. I have two notes I'd like to just share with you about the Walking Dead universe and e even the one in France. Okay. One is that if I lived through a zombie epidemic that mm -hmm. decimated civilization, Wh which during our last of us conversation we established you would you would not fucking catch me following a 10-year-old. Like right. I'm not, there is no 10-year-old that is going to rise out of this and be like, oh God, this guy is just JFK. Just like obviously has it all together. He's the one who's going to lead us. So, because <laughs> there was a moment in this episode where the, 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 like, the militaristic brutes are at the door and the nuns are like, young, young lad, lock yourself in here. We will grab halberds and defend you with our lives. Yes. In that moment, I think you would have looked around and been like, who am I caping up for right now? Yeah. This is, why am I flexing for status and likes? Right. The world is over. Why can't I just over. hang out with French Holt McCallany? <laughs> These guys have cars. Also, everything seems to be fine there. Like, the nuns are just doing yeah, their business. Yeah, they got business. apples. Apples look delicious. Yeah, they're, they're like, they're functioning medieval society there. So I would not follow a 10-year-old okay. uh, as my leader. Um, or, I remain, or, or risk yourself for the 10-year-old. No. Would you do that in this reality? Uh, I mean, uh, under certain circumstances, <laughs> certain ten-year-olds. Yeah, um, and Cross then the other Chris thing I just the babysitter like list. to say is just yeah. that if I were to experience the fate of Papa Jean, is that who's a Frere Jean, the the, oh, the Monsignor, the the yeah priest, the priest who they are keeping as a zombie 
in a cage and just in case poetry. he gets his soul back. Um, I, I, if I am like a zombie, you do not have to keep me alive hoping one day I will pot again. <laughs> so you, I mean, there's a lot of ways to interpret this. <laughs> so what you're saying is what I'm hearing, Kai, I just want this to the record, <laughs> that if, if we ever feel like you're just repeating yourself, lunging after easy targets, just yeah. for no reason should we just continue Band to that let to this. the head. It's fine. Uh, last bit is just that if I were in charge of some province during this time period, mm. I think I would have built Epcot Center by now. Like the the zombies are just straight up not scary. And I know that's the whole point that humans are scarier than the zombies yes. at this point. But these guys are literally like holding zombies at bay with like a stiff arm on a football field. And and when they stab their brothers who are zombies, then they hold them tenderly for yes. a minute, which I'm like, it seems gross. <laughs> I'm again, that's the only child talking. I don't really know. <laughs> you know, maybe I'd make an exception for blood of my blood yeah. and all that. But, yeah. you know, so well, what I'm saying is that if if I found that Bill and Sean were keeping you somewhere here on the Spotify just campus. Just do Wayne Jenkins invitations. <laughs> and then I had to do your DNR orders and bayonet you to the head. I would probably not embrace you okay. on the way down. But for what it's worth, I know this kind of like goes against the whole spirit of The Walking Dead. From what I understand, we are now a decade into this. Anyone who survived is probably pretty good at surviving. Mm -hmm. It would make sense that they're not that scary. In a way, it's just like us with COVID, right? Look at us. <laughs> the real heroes, just in-person recording, maskless. You know, because the monster is not as scary anymore. Right. Um, do, do you want to move on to the Changeling? Are you going to watch more of the show? Yes. I think that this would be a very fun plane show. Like, mm -hmm. I might save a couple and watch it on the plane. Uh, and I could also see if it just gets too, too many characters or too complex or gets away from, like, I want to see this guy walking around France hacking people up. That's, that's, my, that's my attraction. I want to see more of France. I, I kind of want to watch more of it really as a companion piece to Last of Us because I'm curious about what differentiates yeah, them. Yeah, that's a good they, point. Which is, I'm not saying one's better than the other. I'm not trying to take shots at either show. I think they're doing very different things for different core constituencies, but it's interesting to me. I think it's what, only six episodes. So if that's the case... Uh, season one is only six episodes. Well, but it's still only six episodes. And if that's the case, then they have my attention. Do you know what would be cool? If Norman Reedus was like, I'll do this forever, but every season of Daryl Dixon is in another place I want to ride my motorcycle. It would be rad. So it's just like the best of Bourdain, but this guy's life, and he just... And each time he went to a different country, he just used the cast from the bridge well, of that country. you joke, but do you know who Norman Reedus is married to in real life? Who? Diane Kruger. Do you know what star Diane Kruger? Are they, they really were, married? Do you know what she... Yeah, they have a child together. Do you know what she was the star of? Inglorious Bastards? The bridge. Yeah. So it all comes back to the bridge. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This episode is brought to you by the Disney Bundle. 
Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney Bundle with new exciting movies and series, all for one low price. On Disney Plus, join the ranks of Captain Marvel, Captain Monica Rambeau, and Ms. Marvel as they team up to save the universe in Marvel Studios' The Marvels and embark on an adventure into the futuristic world of Iwaju. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone, in the award-winning film Poor Things. And school is back in session for the beloved teachers of Abbott Elementary. The Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. They're better together. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. Let's do the changeling because we're running a little long. I think we're running a little long. I'm on strike. This is literally all I have to do today. Um, Andy, The Changeling is on Apple TV+. Plus. A few episodes have gone up. I think the first three have gone up, and the fourth one comes out on Friday. It's based on a novel by Victor Lavelle that I had not had the privilege of reading. Uh, And is developed, created, written by Kelly Marcel, who's done some work in the Fifty Shades Shades franchise. She did the work. I think she did that movie. And as well as the Venom uh, Let There Be Carnage film, which I actually... Chris, you're Didn't selling mind. Kelly Short. She, to my knowledge, has written all three Venom films, including the upcoming third film. It, it, <laughs> it is, to the other Venom films, what the part of Beetlejuice Lauren Boebert didn't see is to the rest of Beetlejuice. Rule of threes. Okay. Um, so the first couple of episodes are available. This is honestly, like, we had a lot of fun at the expense of describing what Daryl Dixon is about. Mm-hmm. It would actually be quite challenging to explain what The Changeling is about. And after watching one episode, while I have some ideas, one of the challenges of the first episode is that it is about quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we have joked before about shows starting multiple times or episodes starting multiple times where you get five minutes into a story and they're like, but back in 1968, this has Mm -hmm. folklore, it has flashbacks, it has a contemporary story, contemporary-ish story. And it is um, tonally, like, yes. I think it is gorgeously shot. Melina Matsukas, who did uh, Queen and Slim and a bunch of Beyonce Inse- videos and Insecure. Rihanna videos and Insecure, is an excellent director. And the world is, like, fully realized. And it is beautiful to look it at. It is. Beautiful production um, design. But I think that it might be, I think I saw, actually, this was a line in the RogerEbert.com review of it mm. that said that that the material that the show was drawing from was too figurative to make a good TV show. And so what you wind up having is a kind of fairy tale, fabulistic, allegorical feel to a show where you're just like, but I just need to like understand like, like where is this guy going? And what is he doing? And are they in love? Who is he? Yeah, right. It's a very odd show that has a lot of merit. And I, so I want to be careful using it as um, a launching pad for larger um, digressions or, or State of the Union kind of mm-hmm. commentary. My main response to watching the first episode of the show is, I bet this book is really good. Genuinely. Yeah. I, the ideas, the scope, um, the specificity of it seemed tactile and interesting and rich. It also felt like a book. And... My main takeaway, and it's narrated by Victor Lavelle. The, this TV show is, yeah. The TV show is it's so obviously done somewhat hand in hand with him. So the show begins with a very, very CGI boat crossing 
in the 19th century, and then it jumps to more or less the present day, and then it jumps almost immediately before you catch your breath to, to the, the 60s, to the late 60s or seven. Then it goes to the 70s, then it goes to the 80s, then there's some time back in the present, and then the 90s. And reader, my comment is relax. This was a stressful viewing experience because it was so eager to share with us the scope and the imaginative, um, just the, the, the imagination of Victor Laval and his book and his characters that I felt pummeled by it. Mm -hmm. Not for a moment did I feel any kinship connection to or um, interest in what was happening on our screen, which is challenging, which is hard to believe even because the show stars Lakeith Stanfield, who I think is one of the best actors we have, mm -hmm. who is never not interesting. He plays a character named Apollo Kagwa, who I assume is some sort of book dealer. He's a rare book dealer. We don't ever really is see him antiquarian? work. We see him in a library and we see him say he loves books, but then we're also seeing him as a baby and then we're seeing his parents and then we're in fucking Brazil. Yeah. So I don't know. He, in this first episode, falls in love with a librarian who's played by an actor, so I don't know, named Clark Bacco, who I thought was really good, too. Then she goes to Brazil. Then there's a witch. Then his parents. And then there's a scary part. And then there's a dream. I, I, this, again, I, I'm trying to be measured because I think everyone here is doing high-level high work. But to me, this isn't a TV show in a time when I wish we had TV shows. Yeah, th I, th There's a moment that we're in still and Apple's often really, I think, to blame for this, where it's like, no, we're going to dazzle you with ambition and prestige. Don't worry about any traditional kind of like week-to-week, episode-to-episode connection to character or narrative. And you end up in this weirdly expensive, sloppy place to me that is not a book, it is not a TV show, and it's not a movie. It's just sort of the sprawl that's asking you to come be a part of the sprawl with us and see us take chances or don't. There's also, uh, okay, there's two things going on here. Yeah. One is that I think the, you could say Apple's to blame for it. I think they've also had some success when it comes to something like, say, Pachinko, where one of the Pachinko reasons why Pachinko comp. really worked for me is because you could tell that the creators of the show understood that they needed to take some liberties with the structure of the story that was found in the book for the purpose of the show. So rather than going chronologically, you have a kind of parallel storylines happening in the TV show and that that way themes come out of it that you understand. But Pachinko, for the most part, is fairly uh, realistic in its depiction of, like, not, I don't mean vivid, I just mean, like, there's a kind of realistic logic to what's happening in Pachinko. To have multiple storylines going that also have an almost dream logic but also have an element where dreams are real. It works for features. It works for David Lynch. It works for, you know, like Sam Raimi. You can have a kind of strangeness to a film, I think. I think it's much harder to pull off in TV shows. Yes, I agree. I mean, Twin Peaks, I guess, would be an example of a show where that did work. But at the core of Twin Peaks is basically a detective show. It's basically a procedural where a guy is trying to figure out who killed a woman. You know, this is kind of like, you're watching a scene in this first episode, for instance, where a lot of the sort of turn of the episode tinges around um, this woman comes back from Brazil and she has a red bracelet that's been given to her by like a mystical medicine woman in a, in a remote location in Brazil. And the, the 
it's it's a fable. It's like you she's mm-hmm. granted three Suddenly wishes it's a fairy tale. as long as she doesn't cut this ribbon off. Well, it's that if the the wishes will come true when when it gets when it cut. gets cut off. Sorry, but right. but be careful what you wish for. Is right. we're reminded of many times and. Like th- that whole like section of the episode where like they're like he's come and he's picked her up at the airport. They've reunited. They're kind of putting their relationship back together, and uh, the Apollo character cuts the ribbon mm-hmm. in this kind of like dreamy fashion. But like, if you actually take a step within the logic of the show, it makes sense somewhat. But if you take any step back, you're like, what is what is happening? Like, what what does this yeah. mean? Why is this guy going along with this story all immediately? And I guess it's like, well, you could say he's had himself this dreamy life where his father was a blue monster who disappears into bathtub steam mm-hmm. and captures him. But like, that's just like a lot to kind of put your wrap your head around. I also, I, I did, I do want to ask you, did you feel, for as much as that maybe pushed you out of a recognized reality, did you feel a kinship with Apollo because he wears a different hat for every <laughs> moment of his life? Like he had a special wedding hat. Yeah. I was thinking... I didn't wear a hat during my wedding. I was thinking that he didn't have a hat during the sex scene but then i was like but maybe it's a jimmy hat <laughs> but then they have a baby so yeah. it wasn't so he is hat free he's hat free yeah which i thought was interesting look i i don't know it, it, it feels weird to argue it feels like a conservative position to be arguing when i say that like successful tv shows do have a kind of nuts and bolts grounding it doesn't mean it's grounded in our world but it is grounded in a kind of emotional recognition mm-hmm. or truth that allows you to then extrapolate further. Twin Peaks is my favorite thing of all time, but even I wouldn't argue that it worked when it became just a kind of more by-the-book, week-to-week, 22 episodes procedural. What really worked was David Lynch yeah, right. um, at the beginning and at the very end, and including the, the third season. Um, it, I, there's something, the Changeling isn't to blame for this, you're right, and, the app, and Apple isn't to blame for this. And for decades of creators being stymied in TV, being told like, yeah, go for it, man. Like that's that is a good thing from a creative perspective. But I am so done with pilots that start three or four times. Yeah, pick your story and tell us your story. And if there's something that doesn't work in this medium, maybe you're using the wrong medium to tell the story. It just I, it, that seems really harsh or reductive, but that's kind of how I feel about it. I think it's also probably you know when we first started doing this podcast, a lot of shows would change over the course of their first season, mm-hmm. if not their first couple of seasons, where you would get structural shifts, you would get tonal shifts, characters would kind of change their their vibe. This happened a lot in sitcoms, but it would also happen on shows where obviously the, the, the series had picked up popularity, so to sustain it, they mm-hmm. would need to keep characters in a certain tension point that w- was kind of betraying the resolution of the seasons. I'm thinking specifically of Homeland just because you mentioned it, but mm-hmm. like Carrie in Homeland is like a one or maybe two season character. Yes. But they kind Certainly of kept Brody her yeah. in this place of absolute frenzy for six, seven seasons. Or, or they, or the show just became, is she on or off meds? Yeah, right. And that's the toggle. So they changed Homeland to make it last for a long time. Mm-hmm. We've talked before about, um, some Mike Sure comedies that where they like make minor adjustments to the characters as they go forward in Parks and Rec or The Office or whatever to like make them more palatable. Big prestigious literary adapted dramas on Apple TV Plus don't really seem to have that ability. You know, like they don't really seem to be able to turn the boat 
while it's in the canal. You know, it's like we're going one way or we're going the other way. But like once it's off and left well, the pier, like what can they do to the changeling to change it, right? Well, they, I mean, part of that is because it is greenlit as a thing. Yes. You know, there's no, I, I mean, I could be wrong. I, we've certainly been wrong before, but my sense is this isn't a two-season show. Like they're telling the story of the book. Um, but I, I think it's just a question of getting your arms around it. Like, and one of the things about Apple that makes it very unique and special is that it, these sort of questions don't really apply to them. Like if you can say yes to everything, you don't look with the same rigor about why you're doing the things that you're choosing to do. You know, again, empowering Lakeith Stanfield, empowering Melina Mansukas, like these are good decisions. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to second guess these decisions. And if this show didn't work for me, their next show, whether it's together or separate, might. So I, I, I don't, th- broadly, the conversation could stop there. Yeah. But if it didn't stop there, I would say that like they, they can just shrug and say, seems like these guys have a take on this. Let's go, go, go. Instead of saying, we're only going to make two things this year and your vision of the changeling, while deeply exciting, I'm struggling seeing how this is going to translate or how you're going to adapt it or how you're going to get your arms around all of it in a way that is going to be narratively successful. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, but then again, you know, one person's, uh, one person's messy is another person's adventurous and exciting. But the other thing I'll bring to it, and this is, again, this is, I feel like I'm using a lot of unfair comparisons, but in the spirit of like, well, Daryl Dixon is not, there's no world where where Walking Dead Daryl Dixon is an Emmy-winning, life-changing show. Maybe there's a world where the changeling, maybe even in subsequent episodes, could become that. Yeah. So it is tough to compare one to the other. But let me throw a third thing into the mix. Like for, you know this, Chris, and Kai knows this, but like I was, for another thing that we'll talk about at another point, I was rewatching some of Friday Night Lights and that pilot, we used to make things in America, buddy. Jesus Christ. You know, the, I don't know when the last time anybody watched it was, but the opening four and a half minutes through the news voiceover introduces us to an entire city, an entire vibe, an entire community culture, and the very sp- intense specifics of our main characters' lives. Like, we meet Saracen making tuna fish sandwiches for his grandmother within like, 90 seconds and we're yeah we're going yeah we're going changeling isn't friday night lights it shouldn't be but we don't make friday night lights anymore we just make these big shrugs and sometimes they work and that doesn't seem like a sustainable model not just for the business financially but like just for the viewer sure that's my platform (laughs) i'm here today unfortunately to announce that i will no longer be serving as your (laughs) senator from utah but, but I will be watching Friday Lights. But I will be watching the things that I always liked. Do you want to talk about Reservation Dogs? Or do you want to talk about the... Let's punt Reservation Dogs till yeah. we have another episode to, to pair with it. it I was, think that's good. It was a charming episode. Our boy Kirk, Kirk Fox balled out. Yeah. Um, I feel like if we're talking about what Apple TV does with best-selling sure. books, I feel like you want to talk about your show of I think you want to talk about it. And then I need to tell you something. Oh, okay. So, so when Andy walked in today, he was just like, is it Lessons in Chemistry? Lessons in Chemistry is a new Apple TV show. Uh, it's coming out next month. It stars Brie Larson. It's based on a best-selling book by Bonnie Garmus. And it's uh, uh, the trailer looks like more than a million bucks. Mm-hmm. It also, to me... Who made the show? Like, who's behind it? Uh, Lee Eisenberg developed it. It's based, as I said, it's based on the novel. Um and Sarah Dina Smith directed a bunch of the episodes. She's really talented. My my guy Zach Galler was mm-hmm. a DP for a bunch of the episodes. Um, you watch this trailer, and I'm like, ah, proof of concept for Apple. 
this is what they what they want in the sense and that's not even a comment on quality although i you know I, i'm hopeful that it has a quality and abundance but best selling novel looks great movie star and is about like again like i don't think ChatGPT had anything to do with the show but if you were like hey open ai what what is a successful apple tv plus show right. it might be like a period piece about a chemist a, a, an on the spectrum chemist stymied by the patriarchy who finds surprise success as a television chef and also civil rights right i mean it's a it's a lot but anyway i came in i was like this looks really good and i was like here's a hot tip from inside hollyweird you know who's going to be a star off this show if you heard of this guy, this cat called Lewis Pullman. Right. And I was like, he looks like amazing. He looks like a. So, do you know what Lewis part. Pullman has been in besides Lessons in Chemistry? Top Gun, Maverick. Yes. He's and great in it. Outer Range. He's also been in Pullman Family Photos with his father, beloved Bill actor Bill Pullman. Yeah, he's very good, as I recognized when he was on Outer Range and he came on the watch. See, this was the <laughs> tough beat for me. Did he. Come into the studio? No, we did. This... It was during COVID, and I think we did it on Zoom. I think I thought you had Josh Brolin on. If I had Josh Brolin on, I wouldn't have let you forget it. That's true. You wouldn't have <laughs> let <laughs> listeners forget it. So, how was he talking to you? He was him? great. It was great. So, you've been holding, because when you, so Chris made a face when I made this. His part comment. in Outer Range is not as big as I was hoping it was going to be, right. like over the course of the season, but he was very good in Outer Range, and you can, you recognize. Like, I think the same thing that you're seeing in the trailer and that you have like a vibe from and that he was really good in Top Gun is like, he's got, he'll be like the next Glenn Powell. He has like a thing. Wow. That, well, Could he be the next Glenn? Sorry. Well, just, Glenn Powell might be like a I fucking think Glenn best Powell's, actor nominee if like no other movies come out. I think Glenn Powell is awesome. Yeah. I just thought that unintentionally that was an indictment of where we are in movies, but. I, he could be he, the next guy up to maybe be the next guy. Yeah, I think that he could be like a a, a leading actor soon. Yeah. Do, you th- do you think he has Bonvoy points? <laughs> I, for what Unless he quits acting in protest <laughs> for what Delta has done to their loyal customers. For what? Look. I think he could be the next Daryl Dixon. Um, I just want to say, like, when I came in real hot with this Lessons in Chemistry trailer and you made a face about Lewis Pullman, never did I guess that he had been on because he wasn't on the Andy Greenwald podcast. No, he You're wasn't. saying he was on the Watch podcast, the one we do together. I didn't know about that. But what I thought your face was, was I was like, oh, here we go. This is another, I guess Lewis Pullman is the next in the long line of Ron Eldard, Aaron Eckhart, all-stars of like blonde guys that Chris just like yeah, buys Yeah, I guess that I do have a type in. who I'm just like, yeah, keep an eye out. I don't know why you keep saying Ron Eldard though. I never you was like Ron a Ron Eldard, Eldard guy. Because I mix him up with Aaron Eckhart. You're, you are like the Phillies... <laughs> amateur scouting department between 1999 and 2019 where they were like this guy started playing baseball six weeks ago but he's rangy he's six foot he's big lumber this kid is six foot 15 and could probably mash some taters if he ever learns (laughs) to hit a change up to stand up like they would just draft people who just looked like they should be baseball players and that's what you do with movie stars I'm interested in the show uh, and I, I support Lewis Pullman in all his endeavors how do you feel like the Ron Eldard community is going to react to this slander by you? I think they thought... No, I just think that you make that joke once every like 14 months. Yeah, I do. And I, every time I'm like, I never like put any money on Ron Eldard. You didn't put any like slander on his name. No, but I never was like, this guy is, ne- is this dude is going to be the dude. I'm trying... 
I would say looking at his resume, no all respect to Ron Elder, like there hasn't been a lot in the last few years that would have caused you to say that. Yeah. I'm sorry. He's a working actor. That's I respect that. We've slandered Ron Eldard. I guess that's the that's the signal that we should go. I'm really worried now, considering what happened when we talked about suits, that like later Ron tonight, Eldard is gonna go on Instagram live and just be like fuck. <laughs> Because he's just living his life. He didn't need a fucking drive-by. By you. By both of us no, equally. you were the All I by said Chris was Ryan. that I never have like a picture of Ron Eldard up in my, my office, you know? Kai, please just only put that clip in the podcast. Whereas I have Lewis Pullman wallpaper <laughs> and you're like, have you seen this uh, young thespian? And I, I don't know what connections he has, but he's getting good roles and he, and he looks like a, a name and face to watch. I think that... <laughs> People trust my ignorance is so profound at this point that when I notice it, it's significant. I you know? look forward to the to the time nine months from now when you're like, have you guys seen the show The Lioness? Yeah, boy, be, oh boy. Thrill ride. That'll be me. <laughs> that'll be me. Did you see that that in his uh lonely bachelor pad near Capitol Hill, Mitt Romney was just power watching Better Call Saul. Yeah, but he was reading briefings mm-hmm. while watching it. That's and tough. I don't I don't think as you and I know as we you really have to pay attention to Better Call Saul. But he also watches Ted Lasso, so maybe he was reading the briefings during that. That's a less demanding watch. I think that that might make that might improve Ted Lasso's last season. Do you think that if Mitt Romney <laughs> be like the, the, in the <laughs> If Mitt Romney watched Lioness, would he stay in Congress because he'd be so <laughs> Psyched. So psyched to be like to be a part of the winning team <laughs> to be like actually this government is sick yeah he'd be like rocking a turnover chain <laughs> that's what I think yeah that's what I think <laughs> thanks to Kaya for producing us today I wonder what she thought of this episode I can't wait Kaya can we have like a long after action today because I feel like <laughs> and thanks to you for coming by Monday I don't know I think we're just gonna talk oh, about winning time yeah. right yeah, well, but also The Gold is a show you're interested in, Yes, right? please watch The Gold. You're it's into on Paramount. It. You've already watched it. I've only heard about it. Special Ops The Gold. No, it's just about Jack Loudon stealing gold in 80s London. That sounds great. Yeah. What's it on, Paramount? Paramount Plus. Okay, I'll watch it. Okay, so Psyched. The Gold and Winning Time for Monday, maybe some Reservation Dogs next week. We'll be back. Uh, hope everybody has a great weekend. I really hope so. Especially you, Ron Elder. <laughs>